0: We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I have a lot of respect for this man. This is a man of character. This is a man who loves God and loves his family, and uh, um, when he speaks, I listen. And I'm excited to have you uh, come up and speak to us this morning. Come on up, Melvin, and and give us a a word. Thank you, bro.
1: Gracias. Thank you. All right, well... You know, uh, bless you, whoever sneezed. Um, As John pointed out, I teach at Cal State Long Beach and also Long Beach City College, Um, and one of the things that I do is uh, I teach computer education and and also critical thinking. So um, typically, I have classes that are after lunch. Okay, so that means that they are they're they're just kind of like comatose. All right, they're they're kind of like sitting there and they're like. Listening, but they're not listening, okay? Uh, they're, they're, their food is digesting. But you guys, I have you before lunch. So I expect a little bit more enthusiasm uh, from you. Um, one of the things that I often tell my students, and I tell them that, and this is at the beginning of class, I say, you need to bring your pet to class. And the word pet's an acrostic, P-E-T. And I say, you need to bring purpose to this class. In other words, you know why you're here. Okay? Then you, need, then you need to bring the engagement. You need to be engaged with the material that we're going over. And then finally, you need to bring the tenacity. Now, we all know what tenacity means, right? It means that we're like a bulldog. We're, we're, we're pressing in. We're not going to quit. Uh, and I tell them, those are things that you have to bring. I can't give you that as a professor. You have to bring those things. And it kind of crosses over in the church as well. Because when you, you think about it, we have to come here for a specific purpose. We got to know what our purpose is when we are coming and we're opening our hearts to God. We're here not just to hear a word. We're here to be there for one another. Right? We're here to encourage each other. And we have to do that. We have, in order to do that, we have to engage with one another. Engage with the Holy Spirit. Engage with the worship. I think Kevin did a terrific job of that last week and just, in essence, going through the teaching and then going through the worship. That was very engaging. And then there's the tenacity. Okay? Tenacity means you need to fight and press through. John's full of hockey illustrations. Me, on the other hand, I have no hockey illustrations. Okay? I, I have football illustrations. I, I coached over at Marina High School over at Huntington Beach and Pacifica High School in, in, uh, in Garden Grove. So I'm going to maybe salt and pepper some of my football analogies in there. Please forgive me, even though it is not football season. All right. It's always football. Season. Yeah, always football. Yeah, you got it. I think the draft is coming up. But anyway, rate, I'm so honored to be here. And uh, my wife, Ramona, we've been coming around for about a little over a year or so, and it's just been such a pleasure to, to meet you guys and just to be able to, to engage with one another and to do life, because that's what we're doing. As Christians, we are doing life with one another. Amen? Amen. All right, so this morning, um, we're going to finish out our series on the five stones and uh, the heart of David, and What we've been doing is we've been going through this particular series and looking at each one of these stones and how they represent a specific characteristic or element of the heart of David. Bow your head with me and let's pray. Let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. We thank you for this time that we can come together. Lord, we ask above all things that you would change us, Lord. That you would engraft your Word upon our heart. And Lord, that we would Not walk out of the door the same way that we walked in, Lord, but that you would change us and that you would give us your perspective on life. In Jesus' name, amen. So, who was David? All right, we've talked about him over the past few weeks, and David obviously was the king of Israel. Uh, He is a central figure in the Old Testament. Uh, He's best known for the epic beatdown that he gave Goliath, right? We've been talking about that for the past few weeks. But more importantly, what David is known for is something called the Davidic covenant that God made with him. And that Davidic covenant really, it it, it speaks of the promise that God made to David. It says that through your lineage, I'm going to bring the Messiah. I'm going to make it so that he, he's going to, I'm going to set up an everlasting kingdom through your lineage. And that was an unconditional promise that God gave to David. And what it basically comes, comes down to is that it's all about Jesus. Everything that God did through David it was about bringing the Messiah down through his lineage. And that's what he's best known for. But in terms of this fight, we look in, in 1 Samuel 17, 40. Where it talks about David going over to the brook, right? And he picks up five smooth stones. And I've got them in this bag right here, right? He takes out these stones, and he's getting ready to engage a battle with the Philistine, with Goliath, a man who was much much taller than him, much bigger, heavier, probably big, ugly guy too. But the Bible tells us what he did was he ran quickly to the battle, Then he put his hand in the bag, and he pulls out a stone, right? I'm not going to throw it at you. And then he slung it, (laughs) all right? And the result of that was a victory, okay? It was a personal victory, a national victory, and it was a spiritual victory as well. And each one of these stones, as we've taken a look at, they had a name. In other words, that we've been doing this through an allegory here. So you had the stone of repentance, right? You got the stone of faith. You got the word, you got worship, and then we got thankfulness. Got a couple more in there, just in case. (laughs) (laughs) So today, what we're going to focus on is this guy right here, the stone of thankfulness. Okay, the stone of thankfulness. And as we go through... First thing we want to do is take a look at David's character, not the character of David, but David's character. As, As John, in the earlier teachings in the series, talked about David and his idiosyncrasies, right? David was an adulterer. Okay, We'll just say it like that. He was a murderer. And I like to look at it and say that David was just a complex person. You know, God... And I'm so grateful that God used David in a sense because he represents a broad spectrum of human, of humanity. You think about the different things that he is known for right here, the different failures, the different uh, sins that he had. Well, all of these things, really, it relates to me because I can see myself in some of these things. Uh, I can see um, some of the faults of my friends in some of these things. And again, we're all doing life together, so we, we all know that what it's like to be human. But one of the things that we want to point out here is that despite all of that, despite all the complexities, it is said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. That is an admirable title. And I've heard many sermons over the years, of guys talking about being a man after David's own heart. Even John and I, we were out at breakfast about three weeks ago, and just the converse, in the conversation, we, we, we just began to think about, you know, what does that literally mean? How does, how does, that, how does that actually, how do you flesh that out? What, is it, what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, I began to think about it and just roll it around in my head. And I, I thought, well, perhaps being a man after God's own heart is related to three different characteristics right here, okay? Uh, the fact that David was an individual who promoted God's interest in the kingdom of Israel three ways. He did it through his scepter, okay He did it through his sword and he did it through his pen. Scepter, obviously meaning the seat of authority as a king, uh, being able to influence as an administrator, right? Uh, you think about us, we all have a sphere of influence, don't we? We all have a world that, that God has placed us in. We have a job. If you're a mom, an at-home mom, well, you've got a sphere of influence, probably the most important one on the planet, and that's your family. right? Uh, are we promoting God's interest via our authority that we have? right? A sword. David fought for God's interest. Even in the story that we've been covering, he came up to the Philistine and he said, you know, who are you, you to, to, to defy the armies of God? Said you, David said to him, said, you come to, at me with sword and shield, but I come to you in what? Name of the Lord. I am coming in God's interest, not mine or anyone else's. Same thing for, with us. We all have things that we battle for. We have social issues. We've got political affiliations that we want to war for. But are we warring for God's interest or our own? But the third one's the most interesting, is the pen. The pen represents David's gifting. It's, all, oftentimes it's lost, as we study the life of David, it's lost on us that the fact that he was a skilled musician. He was an individual who wrote songs. Yes, he was a warrior. Yes, he was a king. He was an administrator. But remember, he's a very complex individual, just like you and I. He also had this other level of him being a worshiper. And it was through this gifting that he modeled for us the ability to be able to worship and praise God. I mean, if you think about the Psalms, all of these Psalms that we have in front of us, most of them actually were written by David. Out of the 150 uh, uh, chapters of the Psalms, of the book of Psalms, David wrote or contributed to 73 of them directly. And we've got these things in front of us today. And you know what? It's through the pen, through David's gifting, that we want to take a look at the stone of thankfulness. Because it was in the Psalms that these Psalms actually embody many of the other stones that David used. Or many of the other uh, elements that we've described in our teaching today. So repentance, faith, the word, worship. And now we'll take a look at thankfulness. So what I want to do is I want to cover just one, because remember, this guy wrote, what, you know, 73 of them. I'm not going to sit here and read all 73. You're like, thank God. All right. I really treat you like my students then. Um, But what I want to do is cover Psalms 18, because this is a psalm of thanksgiving. And it's a psalm that was written after David was delivered from Saul. Okay, so... It's actually a very interesting psalm or, or a very interesting uh, song of praise because it happened after God delivered David from Saul and, and all the different enemies and, and the really hard time that David went through in his youth. But it happened before, or, but it was written before the really bad time that David did it personally, the, the murder, the adultery, the rebellion, the senses, and all these different things that we've, we've talked about in the past. So again, you have that complexity that's there. So, uh, some of these Psalms, they have what's called a superscript. Okay, in other words, they have a little descriptor, a little annotation about what the, what the Psalm was about, who wrote the Psalm before you actually get into the, the, uh, the words themselves. And this is the superscript for this particular Psalm, Psalm 18. It says, For the choir director, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand. Of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Okay. And, and again, I got, before I get started, I have to admit this is one of my favorite psalms. because this is one of the psalms that uh, when I was younger in the Lord <coughs> excuse me, I was younger in the Lord, growing up in a church that I went to, we, they, we would sing songs in these mass choirs and everything, but sometimes the lyrics of the songs didn't quite mean much to me because they talked about different things that were going on in, in the world and, and how God wants to help us and bless us. And that stuff's all true. It's, it's fine. But I started going to this one church that they were actually, the praise and worship was based, it was based specifically on psalms. Psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of worship, psalms of praise. And we were singing these songs in church and then I go home and i was starting to read the Bible you know, like you should as a Christian. And I would get to the book of Psalms and I would read the scriptures. I'm like, we actually were seeing this. And then it actually kind of opened up this entire world to me, the world of praise and worship. I began to understand that the Psalms many times are the things that lead us into the worship of the Lord. So I began to look at my prayer life change because I started praying these Psalms. And again, it just opened up an entirely different level in my relationship with the Lord. So I, I thought I'd throw that in here. Anyway, Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. There you guys go. The Lord is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The court of death encompassed me and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. The cords of Sheol surrounded me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried to my God for help. Everybody say help. 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 Say it again, help. Help. There we go. Say it like, you know, you need it. Help. Help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came into his ears. Now this psalm is pretty long. It's about 50 verses. So I'm not going to read each and every one of them. But what I will do is just break it down in such a way, and I'm going to use the word help as an acrostic. okay? And that help stands for his everlasting something. So in verses 1 through 3, David triumphs in God for his everlasting power. In verses 4 through 19, he magnifies God's deliverance for his everlasting Protection. These are all things that David, he's thankful for, right? In verse 28, excuse me, 28 through 28, he takes comfort in the fact that God has vindicated him and has, has granted him his everlasting peace. In verses 29 through 42, he gives God all the glory for all the achievements that he had accomplished at that point, And he was acknowledging God's everlasting purpose. And then finally, in verse 43 through 50, David encourages himself and he's looking towards the future and knowing that God is not done with him yet, but there are more things that he's going to do in the future and he acknowledges his everlasting present or perspective. Personally, I am always grateful and I'm always acknowledging God's everlasting provision. Anybody else grateful for God's everlasting provision in here? Because these are things that God has done for us and he has given to us. And we are able to walk through them. Friends, I look, at God, I look at Psalms 46.1, which basically says that God is a very present help in time of trouble. How many of you guys are thankful for that? Amen. Come on. All right. Let's talk about some characteristics of thankfulness. Because, again, we're going back to the stone of thankfulness. Thankfulness <clears throat> is not an emotion. Okay, thankfulness is a posture of the heart. A lot of times in our culture, we append things to how we feel about them. But when you come to characteristics like this, it generally doesn't have anything to how you feel. How many of you guys know you can be thankful for something and not have any emotion that's attached to you? You can be thankful and be sad. You can be thankful and be glad. You can be thankful and be indifferent. Okay, so you can have this posture of the heart it's almost like love right actually it is a lot like love it's in essence an act of your will thankfulness is also expressed in three ways in other words how do you express it it's kind of like again we'll carry on with the analogy how do you throw thankfulness you know how do you express it well number one you can express it through thought Number two, through word. Number three, through deed. Let's, let's start off with, with thought. First things first, we want to remember what God has done for us. All right? All throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, we are commanded to remember what the Lord has done. All right? You don't have to say anything. You just remember it. Deuteronomy 8:18 8, is a perfect example. He says, but you shall remember. Everybody say, remember. The Lord, your God, for it is he who has given you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. I. In my again, in my Christian life, what I've tried to do is build memorials, just mental memorials so I can walk somewhere and I can remember God did this for me. It's kind of like I teach at Cal State Long Beach on Wednesdays, Wednesdays. I'm I'm there at CSU will be all day. All right. Now, if you know me, like John, and Chris, and Ramona here, my wife, and, and Beth, you guys have known me for like 30 years. I have been attached to that university in one way or another for 33 years, so i got a lot of memories on that university. Some of them are not too good, but most of them are pleasant, and it's very difficult for me to walk on Cal State Long Beach campus and have a difficult day. Why? Because... In my mind, I'm thinking, wow, you know what? You know, 20 years ago, I led somebody to the Lord right there, you know? Uh, You know, 25 years ago, you know, we open open air preached right there, okay? Uh, You know, 27 years ago, and by the way, this week is my 27th wedding anniversary coming up. Yeah, 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 hallelujah. I have lunch every Wednesday in a place called The Chart Room, and I sit at this table, and right next to the... I'm sitting at this table, and it's right next to the spot where my wedding cake was 27 years ago. All right, so I'm there. It's hard for me to have a bad day at Cal State Long Beach. Why? Because I have these mental memorials that I've set up to the Lord, and I'm just thankful to Him. So that's the first way that you can express thankfulness or throw that rock. The next way you can do it is through word, and that's telling it to yourself, telling it to God, and telling it to someone else. Right? In Psalm 71:15. It says, I will tell of your goodness all day long. I will speak of your salvation, though it is more than I can understand. I will go in the strength of the Lord and I will proclaim your goodness and yours alone. So tell, speak, and proclaim. We have to verbalize our thankfulness unto the Lord. Thirdly, indeed, We need to give willingly and give cheerfully. You know, the only thing that God really tells us to give, and, and John may get mad at me for saying this, but the only thing that God tells us that we really absolutely have to give is to present our bodies to him. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies to as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. God knows if you, if you, give, him your, you, if you give him your body then everything else is going to come. He's not going to have to worry about you giving money. He's not going to have to worry about you serving. He's not going to have to worry about you giving your time. If you get the revelation and understanding that this body belongs to the Lord, so I, I, I'm a steward of it anyway, and I'm just simply going to present it back to him, everything else is going to flow. Everything else will flow. So the way, one other way we can give is by being a servant and finding a need, and just fulfilling it. All right, second characteristic of thankfulness. Oh, John, man, he lost a two. That says a one. It should be a two. But the second, (laughs) that's John's fault. (laughs) I'm almost done, by the way. I tell that to my students all the time, (laughs) especially the ones before lunch. All right, so thankfulness can be used as a weapon. It could be used as both an offensive and a defensive weapon. David fought against a physical giant. He fought against his physical nightmare named Goliath. Okay. Uh, another term for him would have been a Nephilim. He's a huge guy, just big. Um, us, on the other hand, as Christians, we fight against metaphysical nightmares. We fight against spiritual nightmares. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, one of those words right there, um, the first one, against the rulers, the world rulers, if you look in the Greek, the word is a cosmocrator. Right? And in essence, it's a very powerful, very large spiritual entity. And if you could pull back the spirit, you would be able to see these things. But right now, we're just seeing everything through our gelatin eyes, so we just see what's in the natural. But the powers that are out there are there to make life very difficult for us, particularly as Christians. In essence, the Bible says the devil's come but to do three things, to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's very prevalent in our day. Matter of fact, the Germans, probably uh, back in the 18th century, German philosophers, they coined a phrase. It's called the zeitgeist, right? Zeitgeist literally means the spirit of the age or the spirit of the times. Um, it's like, more like a defining mood of a particular period of history. Uh, if you think of like the early 1900s, you had the Bolsheviks going on. Well, the zeitgeist of the day was one of revolution, was one of rebellion. It's just... the the, the wave of thought that's washing over people at that particular time. Biblically, Paul gave us a zeitgeist, right? He wrote it down in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. And it goes, and and it says this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy. And I'm going to stop right there because that's the list right there that's that's frightening in and of itself. And if you really sit and, and meditate upon this scripture right here, it really accurately defines a lot of what we're seeing in our life, in our culture today as it begins to spiral down. And you can really condense it to three specific types of giants that we face spiritually, okay? Cynicism. How many of you would agree that we're living in a very cynical world right now? And, and in the essence of cynicism means I'm questioning you. I'm questioning your authority. I don't think that you're, you're the right pastor for this church. <laughs> 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 right? Okay, entitlement. How many of you guys have seen that as an attitude, as a spirit that comes upon people? Now, I work at a university, oh, I see <laughs> entitlement all the time. I see it from the students and I see it from the uh, the faculty, okay? I see, I mean, and it's it's, uh, it's ungodly in its, in, in its uh, origin, and also the fruit that it bears is ungodly as well. Ingratitude is another giant. And that's the one that I, I really want to spend a little time on, well, maybe not too much time, but... All three of these giants, what they do is they work to pull us out of relationship with God. Remember, everything goes back to relationship with the Lord. Everything goes back. The whole Davidic covenant, what I started off with, God's trying to redeem his creation. And in redeeming the creation, it means redeeming you and I. And everything that we do, we need to look at how is God redeeming Me, and how is God using me to redeem the rest? That's what it all kind of boils down to. And these three giants right here, they continually attack us. At least they attack me, all right? Um, And what we need to do is be able to maintain a thankful heart towards God. Because if we have a thankful heart towards God, if we do what David did by pulling that stone out and being thankful, it does two things. Number one, it gives me the ability to slay those giants. If I'm thankful, cynicism gets taken out. If I'm thankful, entitlement is going to get taken out. Okay, if, if I'm thankful in gratitude, it can't exist. If I have the posture of my heart is, Lord, well, no, what, no matter what the season is, no matter what the situation is in my life, I'm thankful for what you have done. I'm thankful for you answering my call for help. I'm thankful for your everlasting power, perspective, presence, peace, all of that. The other thing that the stone does is it protects my heart. Remember, it's offensive weapon and it's defensive. If I'm thankful, that means my heart is covered and the giants, those giants, they can't penetrate and drag me down. Amen. I like the band. Band guys, come, guys, come on. Come on up. Man. I am not going to sing.
0: <laughs> I am not going to sing.
1: <clears throat> you know, I do have some closing thoughts here. <clears throat> and you know, one of the things that <clears throat> scholars often debate about this whole scenario about the fight between David and Goliath they asked the question, why did he pick up five stones? Right? Why, why was it five? And, and, and some, some scholars say, well, God well, David picked up five stones because he knew he might have to use one, more than one, on Goliath. Okay. Other people say that he picked up five stones because Goliath had four brothers, which he did. Okay? And ultimately, David did. Uh, David and his, and his men actually did engage those giants and killed them in battle as well. But there's no record that they were there that day. Now some people say that David picked up those stones in order to be ready in case the other soldiers were, would attack as well, so he had something in his hand. I tend to believe that all of those answers are correct. The reason being, David was simply being prepared. And you think about the battles that you and I go through, the spiritual battles in our mind, because it's all really becomes a mental game for us. It's a mental battle for us. The devil, he attacks with multiple enemies. For example, you know, I was at a conference earlier this week, or I should say last week, and on a Tuesday evening, I just felt really just down, just oppressive. Because a lot of times some of my I go to these conferences and, and, and my colleagues they'll say things that I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, the, the 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 path of education nowadays in our country, I, I, I don't agree with everything that's that that's going on, and it grieves me. And also, you know, my family's going through a a difficult time and I wasn't able to be there with them. So it was oppressive for me. So what did I do? Picked up the stone of worship. And I think probably Tuesday night I think I was just alone in my hotel just worshiping 90 minutes, two hours. I don't even know what it was. And by the end of that evening I slept like a baby. Okay. So you may be going through a battle right now. There's fear in your life. Being attacked by fears and worries and not enough money or whatever. Well, you've got the five stones at your disposal as well. Pick up faith. Pick up the word. And yes, you can get more than one stone. You're not limited. Throw faith and throw the word. You know, and I guarantee you, they'll work. Why? Not because I'm some smart professor. Ha, ha, ha. You know. <laughs> no, because the word is working because the word, because the relationship is there because God honors his word. You know, the Christian life is a, a way of life. It's, it's, it's a way of warfare and we have to kind of fight our way through it all the time. Matter of fact, the term Christian is like a derogatory term early on. Uh, you know, what they used to call people who follow Christ, was, they were called followers of the way because they had a specific way that they, they, they behave with one another. And one of the ways that, 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 the, that the Christians in the early days will really have often time, one of the ways they have followed is the way of repentance. And I'm so appreciative of the fact that you know, John started this series out with repentance because that is the door that opens up the relationship with God. I often tell folks as I go about and share the gospel with them, as God gives me the opportunity, we'll be talking about what it means to actually repent. And what it means to repent is that you acknowledge that your way, your way of life, your way of thinking is not the right way. And you are acknowledging that God's way is what you need to follow. And I am convinced, family, that unless you have a day that you can point to and say, on this day, I repented, I turned from my ways and I walked the other way. There's a question of the salvation in there. Because we have to acknowledge the fact that we are in the wrong. And that's difficult for people to do that time. For me April 10th, 1988 God used his young minister to say something to me and, and, and I was like you know what you're right. I need to repent and I need to change my ways. So you know as we close out this series <clears throat> I want to leave us with this word right here. The word of faith, you know, the word of worship, the word of repentance. And as we get ready to take communion, if you feel that you are separated from God in some way, some fashion, if you've never had a day where you repented, I want you to think about that as we're doing the communion. Or even if you have walked with God, but you've allowed a separation to come. You've allowed a gap to develop. I think the best analogy you can have there is like the analogy of a a man and and, and his wife. They're either going to grow together or they're going to grow apart, but they will grow. Okay, God is not going to change. God doesn't change. He says, I'm the Lord. I change not. Who changes is us. We change. And there could be times where we fall away from him. But that's okay. Stone of repentance always opens the door back to us. As we take communion, if, if, if you're in that category, if you feel that there's a separation between you and God, I want you just to wrap your heart around the elements, you know, the, 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 the bread representing the broken body of Christ, and the juice representing his blood that was shed for our sin. Wrap your heart around it and just ask for God's forgiveness. Repent. No magic sauce to it. That's all it is. God made it real simple because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to have that time with you. He wants communion with you. And that's the open door. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, these words, these scriptures. Lord, we ask that you would give us, Lord, the grace and the power to walk this wonderful life that you've given us, Lord. I ask, Lord, for, for just the people ask for myself as well. Lord, for your grace to fill our lives. Lord, that we will be able to see the need that we have in our lives and, and that if we need to repent, then let us pick up the stone of repentance. Lord, I pray if, if we need to, to worship you, to learn to, 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 to be more in your presence, Lord, let us pick up the stone of worship. If we need to combat unbelief in our life, let us pick up the stone of faith. But Lord, we are so thankful for the stone of thankfulness because it acknowledges everything that you've done and everything that you will do in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.